Hey friends, it's Cody Monkman here, and I am so glad that you are listening to the Monday Recap Podcast. Hey, this is a podcast where we don't preach. Our conversations open up more dialogue on Sunday's sermon, tackle current and local faith topics, and upcoming activities at First Christian Church in Clinton, Illinois. You can find this podcast on our website at www.clintonfcc.com or a link to each podcast on our church Facebook page. And again, hey, we are so glad that you are listening to the Monday Recap Podcast. And now, for your Monday Recap. Hey friends, you are listening to episode 11 of the Monday Recap Podcast. And I have here the good old Samuel Green and Max Aper. Hey, hey, guys. What's going on, FCC family? Now, if none of you know uh, who Max Aper is, he's the, the new staff member at Little Galley Christian Camp. And we're going to we're gonna make a bonus episode where we can talk to you, okay? Can't wait. Yeah, we're going to hear about what, what all the new stuff's happening at camp and and how your transition out there has been. So um, listen to that bonus uh, podcast that will be coming out this week. But Samuel. Yeah. Good job today. Thanks. Oh, that's right, friends. We are recording the Monday Recap Podcast, not on Monday, but Sunday afternoon. What? Yeah. Wow, overachievers, yeah. right? We like to shake things up. So uh, let's go ahead and, and get to your sermon. Uh, you were, were preaching through the series on core values, and last week Greg preached on word and how uh, you know we value God's word and its authority over our lives. And you actually uh, really linked that well to your sermon uh, today on our core value of worship and what exactly is worship. And you mentioned in your sermon how you're really passionate to get everyone engaged in a life of worship and through that becoming more like Christ. Um, How did you receive this passion of desiring people to understand what a life of worship looks like? Well, yeah. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Uh, my dad was a uh, primarily an adult discipleship pastor for most of my life. So I actually think a lot of my passion for uh, worship and discipleship and seeing people grow um, probably comes from my dad. My mom also. Um, they both graduated from Bible college and I just think that that most of my passion is is, uh, a byproduct of their example in my life. Um, But I've also just had a lot of people pour into me and challenge me uh, over the years. Um, And so I just desire to be that for other people. Um, I think uh, in many ways we have a a crisis of worship and discipleship, especially in the American church. We... um, well, like we talked about today, we make it about ourselves, and it's really about um, our life with Jesus and following Him. And um, it's really very simple, um, but we we overcomplicate it um, so much. Um, but yeah, so I, I've just been passionate about worship. Uh, obviously, I lead musical worship, um, but a life of worship is so much uh, bigger and richer. You made it than pretty that. clear that yeah, you made it pretty clear that you're. You're passionate about the full extent of worship and not just music. Correct, yes. And we tend to think of worship as just music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of our model of church uh, in the 21st century, especially in America, is um, come on out and we'll put on a, a great show for you. Um, that's probably yeah. putting it really blunt. And uh, I don't necessarily think that's true of every church, uh, and it's not even... Uh, 
really even wholly true of FCC, not that we've never tried to put on a show, but and not that putting on a show occasionally is bad, but we see in the New Testament, um, and just in the example of Jesus in the early church, that it wasn't about that. Their lives were simple. They gathered um, many times in the midst of persecution uh, and trials, and, and then they would have dinner together. They would share the Lord's Supper. Um, they would read out loud the letters from Paul or, or whoever's writing them in their context, and um, they would wrestle with that together. And um, But our model today is, is all about um, how much awesome things and how well can we do things on a Sunday morning to get people to come to us. And yeah. that's yeah. just not the model we see in the Bible. Um, and so I'm just passionate about getting us back um, or moving us forward to, to a model that... Um, yeah, we want to do things well. I'm not saying let's do things really terribly, but um, let's go back to the, the idea that, that that our lives are a witness and that through relationship and through the simplicity, uh, simplicity of life and the simple things that we are um, just walking faithfully daily uh, in a life of worship w- with Jesus Christ. Yeah. You mentioned how... Uh, sorry, sorry, Max. Um, this is exactly what you were fearing when when we were going to be doing this together. It's okay. It's all good. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Well, but I actually want to hear from all of us. Yeah. You mentioned about the heart of discipleship and how this connects to a life of worship. Um, what is the name of some? Just give me the name of someone who really like changed your your world and just really discipled you. Uh, well, I mentioned my parents, and I've got to say them again because it's that's primary. But uh, one person who really has just challenged me incredibly. His name's Rob Moppin. Yeah. He was a professor at LCU. Um, we had uh, a spiritual formation group, which were very small groups uh, when I was at school, and and he just had a way of, of challenging you to the point where um, you would get mad at him, uh, almost, <laughs> and frustrated, um, but you couldn't argue with him because yeah. Um, he, yeah. he was living it out himself, and you knew his heart, and he's one of those uh, when he walks into the room, there's an intensity, um, but underneath all that intensity, is a, there's a gentle, caring spirit. Um, but a lot of times, he'll he'll come after you, and he's like, you know, why are you doing this? We'll stop it. You know. I, so, like when you were a student, you're in his class, and he walks in. Is it like, dang, class is getting ready to start? Buckle up your seatbelt. Uh, a lot was of it like the, Was it like a weekly Super Bowl? <laughs> well, I don't know about Wheatley Super Bowl, but, but there was definitely, I mean, uh, everyone who took his classes either loved him or hated him. Most people loved him. Um, but he would just, um, he, he was very kind and uh, practiced the, uh, put on the, cl- the clothing of gentleness, yeah. okay. uh, with, uh, especially with the ladies. Um, but when it came to, challenge, uh, came to challenging the men, man, he just, uh, he just put it all on the table and... Um, really just called us out a lot yeah. of times and guys like that are huge too and you talked about a lot about being frustrated and a lot of times when you get that sort of anger that frustration it's it's not more or less of what he's doing but calling out you know the, the sin or the what we're doing wrong in ourselves and you know we're re- reacting on that and guys like that are, are monumental in our lives and mm-hmm. um, personally for me it was it was my my youth pastor growing up I grew up in Bloomington and his name was Drew Moore and he we, uh, again, kind of like what Rob Moppin does, I know him as well. He uh, just constantly, just a, a model, not not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And um, within that, was able to call out stuff in, in his students' lives. And you're just, you'd get so mad and get frustrated. 
but it's like I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at the actions that I've that I've chose the path that I've taken. Yeah. Um, and it's just that's how it's, it's reflected as that frustration comes out at somebody else for calling it out in your own life. But again, I would say for me it was uh, Merle Klein. He was became mm-hmm. my best friend in high school, and I actually just had this discussion with Greg that uh, my life changed uh, because of the gospel through Merle discipling me was wasn't because of a program. And it wasn't because of necessarily any organized church activity, but it really boiled down to Merle sitting across the counter in the kitchen and we're eating junk food because his family made baked goods all the time. And they had pop all the time. They have this pantry that's just ginormous full of junk food. And we would sit there and just eat and eat and eat. And I'd ask questions that he probably thought were stupid questions, but he, he was, you know, patient with me and... And it was conversations around the, the kitchen counter yeah. that really changed my life. So, All right, well, hey, uh, you wanted to ask Sam a question. Yeah, well, no, kind of just backing up, going back to your sermon, the, the first thing that really kind of set the tone for us during, during your sermon, Samuel, was your first point, and it was uh, somewhere along the lines of just worshiping on Sunday is not worship. And hearing that initially, you kind of, I was kind of taken back and like, no, it's not, like, I worship, yeah, it is. It's worshiping on, you know. And then the more you think about it and the more you look at it, it's like, oh, no, that's true. You know, if, we, if you wait and if you don't do anything and just expect, oh, I'll get my, my Jesus fix, I'll get, I'll get filled up on Sunday, you're going to run out real quick and you're going to be living on uh, in a dry spell for that whole week. And like, personally, I'm sure all of us can attest to it too. When you try to do that sort of pattern, it's a life of lonesome and it's, and it's a lonely desert walk. And uh, so I just, again, I agree with Cody. I think you did a great job this morning. Um, but kind of just diving into your sermon, um, man, talk about setting the tone. That was, that was awesome. And um, we can talk more about, we're going to talk more about what other points, but I wanted to tell you that, man, I, these are the most notes that I, there's not very much, but these are the most notes I've taken in a sermon since I've been at FCC in my six, in my few short six seven months that I've been here so you gave us two definitions of worship laying down our lives mm-hmm. and living heaven here on earth can you uh, give those who are listening some like practical ways of what does a life that is laying down or what is the life of someone who's laying down their life look like on a daily basis yeah um well, the simple answer is they look like Jesus. <laughs> and I know that's not, uh, it's simple, but it's not easy. Um, but yeah, and I want, I guess those, those two definitions, those are just kind of where I was working from. Um, worship is, is a, is a intricate, uh, term. It's, uh, there, there are other definitions out there. Um, but for the purpose of this morning, just the idea of laying down, of, of putting ourselves, um, before the Lord to be used, in a life of worship, uh, living heaven on earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. practically, what does that look like? Um, I mean, we talked about these um, these these different uh, virtues that we're called to put on. We talked about um, let's see if I can remember them all: uh, humility, gentleness, patience, uh, love, kindness, and I'm forgetting one. But uh, just putting them on—it's a conscious decision. Well, what does that look like? I I'm always hesitant to give too much specifics because we all have different walks and we're in different places and we have different struggles and 
I just hesitate to say you need to do this or you yeah. need to do that. I think part of the Christian life is actually pausing, taking a look at your life and saying, okay, you know, the sermon talked about these things. Which one is God calling me to address right now? Um, and so even though I gave several challenges um, this week, living heaven on earth for each person is going to be different based on where they're at in their journey and, and what they're called to and um, what their struggles are. And so... Um, You're hesitant to give a prescription. I, I am. You don't, I mean, you don't want to give an A plus B equals C. Right. I, I mean, I'm... I, well, gosh dang it, we all want a prescription, Samuel. <laughs> I know, but that's not life. That's um, right. I, yep, I agree. It's just not, yeah. So um, the best thing, and this we did talk about, is to spend time in Scripture, spend time in prayer, seeking God, um, asking Him to reveal what, what is my next steps. And um, we, we just talked about people uh, in our lives who made a difference and and obviously, like there's there's a place, and I would encourage you if, if you're really really stuck, if you've been seeking God and you've been doing these things, reach out to a pastor, reach out to someone who is further along the journey than you, and ask them what what should I do next? Can you help me? Um, but if you have not been seeking God through prayer and Scripture, then that's your first step. And I, I mean, <laughs> that's the church answer, but. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. <laughs> but that, but that right there, sorry. No, that, that right there, Samuel, uh, just to kind of clarify that, that is a great form of worship. You know, when people think of how do I, how do I worship at home? You know, like, well, we do these grand things at, at church and um, how do I make, you don't ha- that doesn't have to look like what we do at church. And again, Cody, you were talking about some of the best forms of worship that you did growing up with, with Merle. Yeah. Um, was eating junk food across the counter. Um, cracking open your Bible or looking at scripture on your phone and just asking God to realign your life, how you can, how you can, you know, daily take the next step or how do I, how do I bury your name? That's, that is a, a simple, the easiest form of worship that will connect you closest to God. Again, you don't have to wait for Sunday to come about. You can do that anywhere and everywhere that you, that you are. Um, so it sounds like, um, and I understand why you're you're hesitant to give a you know a prescription response um, to people, but it sounds like maybe just that first that that person who's got a chaotic life, like life is just out of this world, out of control, is to just pause. Yeah, like uh, like before you walk into wherever you work, sit in the car for a little bit, say a little prayer, and, and reflect on. Mm-hmm. Um, words of truth yeah i mean we shouldn't be asking what should i do what should i do what should i do if we don't have time to do anything i mean um good point we need to be willing to (laughs) yeah i mean the act of laying down our lives act of worship that means making space in our lives um, for what matters i mean i talked about the the old english word worship and that that our english word for worship is is comes is derived from the idea that we are ascribing worth to things and so the time we spend uh, doing certain things um, certain practices um, good or bad they form us they shape us um, it we're either shaped into someone who is more and more like Jesus or we're shaped more and more into someone who uh, frankly isn't uh, like Jesus and the time we spend I mean I think one of the lies our culture said is uh, to us is, is we just live in this consumer culture we're always 
longing for the next thing. Oh, what, I need this and I need that and I, I want that and then I, uh, oh, this was great. Oh, but th there's something better than this. I need it. And it's just the endless pursuit of the next thing. And a life of worship is a life of giving. It's a, um, we sit, we sit before the Lord and we dwell in his presence and he fills us up. Like there, there is a receiving there, but it's, we're not doing it to receive. We're doing it because of what he's already done. I talked about the, the response yeah, aspect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when we, we dwell with him, when we make the sacrifice of time to set aside, um, then that's where he speaks. I mean, uh, scripture talks through that all the time. But Jesus, all the time, read, read the gospels. He would always, I mean, he, he was, you know, popular and he had tons of followers all over the place just coming and finding him he would always leave i mean he would go off into the mountains and pray and spend time alone with his father and in our culture that is uh the idol we worship at the at the at the altar of busyness um where we're not willing to even take the time to to stop and rest and breathe and listen mm -hmm. to what god has for us and that is one of the first steps if if you really want to get practical, cut something out and put God in the place um, of that. Um, well, uh, one thing that you mentioned about, um, you know, as far as clothing ourselves, and you kind of linked that to the need for forgiveness, not just for ourselves, but for, the, for others. Um, and you talked about this freedom that is found in forgiveness. Um, I'd like to hear from you, maybe from a personal experience, where you had to forgive someone and you really experienced that freedom that you preached about. Yeah, um, I'm probably not gonna name names, uh, but I've had that experience e even fairly recently um, just with someone um, who, just like all, all the verse we talked about who I've been offended by, who I've been, um, uh, even wronged by who 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 uh, doesn't seem to respect me sometimes and and there I mean there's been few people over the course of ministry um, and whenever we uh, let resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness take control of us it just changes us and mm -hmm. makes us angry bitter people and um, and so the freedom that comes and ha has come for even me, and, and I'm still growing, and, and you know Jesus uh, tells us we uh, forgive seven times, seventy-seven times. You know, it's a process we continually continue to forgive, especially the biggest things that are like really big roadblocks for people. Um, but freedom looks like actually loving the person you used to hate, uh, being willing to wash their feet. Um, you you want to know what forgiveness looks like. It's when you, um, someone you hated, you could sit down and eat a meal with. Ah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. That's a, like, if you can eat a meal with them, yeah, and have, you know something has changed in your heart. Right, yeah, when you can, when you can and that's, this actually gets to a whole different thing I wasn't even planning on talking about, but communion. Uh, we, 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 we celebrate communion every single week, and... Um, I was able to read this first service, didn't have time, second service, but in, in Acts 2, we talk, uh, it just talks about how the, the believers in the early church would share meals together daily, and the Lord's Supper, um, I, think, I think they said weekly, but sometimes it just depends on where they were at. But 
it was an act of sharing. And if you had someone something against someone, you're going to be sitting down. Mm. And, and the table, the communion table is a table of reconciliation mm. uh, between us and God, but also us, us and others. And so um, to sit down with someone and to, to have a conversation, how are you doing? What is God doing in your life? To be able to have a real human interaction with someone, mm-hmm. to actually care about them over a meal, I think that's one of the uh, the most beautiful pictures of of what can happen, and, and a sign that okay, I, I have forgiven this person. Now, I don't want to like say uh, this is an extreme circumstance, but if if someone has had someone very like wrong them incredibly. Um, in, in incredibly violent ways or something that, that it would even be wise to sit down with certain things in certain circumstances. But generally, I mean, there are stories of people who, uh, there was one the other day I, I heard of, of a, a family who whose son was murdered by, uh, by someone and they were Christians and they chose to love this person and uh, would visit them in jail. And when he came out, the, the, the guy who murdered their son ended up living with them. Whoa! And huh. yeah, the I mean, he was completely changed by the love of Jesus uh, in these people, and it's it's the example. And that's, I mean, so even the most extreme cases, like, um, I mean, Jesus sits with us, and we murdered him. Yeah. I mean, um, that is the ultimate sign of forgiveness, uh, tangibly and practically. And I think he could have just dropped the mic and walked away right there. <laughs> Maybe if if I had it in my hand, <laughs> flat table. So. <laughs> All right, well, hey, we are running out of time, and so I just want to quickly remind everyone of the three individual challenges that you uh, gave us, and that is one, practice thankfulness, have a thankful heart. Two, be in the Word daily, and you even um, mentioned, at least in second service, about hide and seek that Greg is doing at 11.30 a.m. on Mondays at the Y, Mm -hmm. and then also the Bible reading plan that is available online. And then three, embody Christ's love. And you even kind of answered us, you know, answered the question, what does this look like in our lives? And you said, it's pursue forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I use, you didn't use this phrase, but in my notes I put be present. Mm-hmm. Be present with the people around you. Be present with uh, how God is working in your life. And then the good old GT bottom line, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Was <laughs> um, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And so I think I think that was a good takeaway. Good sermon. Thanks. Greg said he loved it. Greg yeah. said it was the best one he's ever heard. <laughs> he said one of the best. One of the best. One of the best. And I don't know. So, if he, I don't know if he was serious. Dang. Or if he was just. Uh, you don't know if it was like his Bible verses. Where he says, this is one of my favorite verses. And right, right, yeah. Now, He's got like five so I don't know if it was, <laughs> you know, he might have just been a pastor exaggeration, you know, was that kind of thing. No, well, it, it was very good, man. It, it really was, was. I appreciated it, participating with you in that form of worship. Yeah. Not musical worship, but there's worship within messages too, and I appreciated Absolutely. that. So. Um, okay, so all three of us are young chumps. I'm usually uh, sent across a, I believe, a 47-year-old <laughs> man, and his name's Greg Taylor. Um, how old are you? I am 23. 23. 25. 23 plus 25 is 48. Good math. So both of you made up for the years of Greg's life. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) If Greg's listening, hey, Greg. Well, never mind. I won't go there. Um, Probably better not. (laughs) Yeah, we won't go there. But, um, hey, thanks for sitting down. I'm glad we were able to work this in. 
um, in the middle of our Sunday afternoon. And if you are listening and you love Little Galley, uh, just hold on tight. Um, I'm going to sit down with Max Aper and we're going to learn about what's going on at the camp and how his transition's been happening ever since you've lived in Clinton. You've lived here how long now? Oh gosh, it's been since May. So, May of 2020. So we're going on a year. Yep. All right, cool beans. Well, hey, thanks for listening, and um, we will see you next week.